As we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Ogapoge Nation and the Tewa-speaking peoples of northern New Mexico from where this broadcast is coming from. I deeply value, honor, and acknowledge the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hey everyone, welcome to the Mongata podcast hosted by me, Valerie Boudere. I'm a certified sound therapist as well as a healing coach and life design mentor. I work with clients every single day to help them uncover the answers to the big questions. How do I heal? How do I feel better about my life? Who am I? What's my purpose? And what do I do next? I also help them transition from all the shoulds in life and make living vibrantly a priority by living their life design and who they really are. It's time to be more you. So sit back, relax, and grab your journal because you're going to want to take notes. Let's get to it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Mongata podcast. I'm Valerie Boudere, and I'm glad to see you here. We are on week four of the emotional fast, and this series is two parts every week. On Thursdays, the teaching and experiencing discovering episode happens. And then on Sundays, I release the meditation that goes with that week. This week, we are looking at letting go of and fasting from holding it all together as we embrace vulnerability. And of course, when we embrace vulnerability, that means we are showing an exceptional amount of kindness, compassion, and tenderness to our own self. So I invite you throughout the entire Emotional Fast series to just try on each week's letting go and fasting from to see how that feels for you. This isn't a dogma. It's actually an experiment to see, oh, if I let go of holding it all together, does that mean that I have to fall apart? And really exploring these ideas and this idea of this week and coming to the conclusion that you are stronger than you know and you don't really have to keep it all together anymore to be vulnerable. So let's sit back and get ready for this week's exploration into vulnerability and not holding it all together. I'm going to start with our opening chime and inviting you to sit back comfortably and taking a couple of nice deep breaths and just opening a welcoming space in your heart and whatever it is you're dealing with today, you might not be feeling well. Things might be not going so great today or they might be just exploring what it's like to make room for whatever feelings you are feeling today. And just notice and honoring what is true for you to meet that part of yourself with compassion and with grace. And just 
pondering for a moment anything that might feel tender in your life, a little tender. It might be something you've lost or someone you've lost, an old grief or a new grief. It might be some intense emotions you're feeling today, or it can even be recent going-ons and the state of our world or the state of your community or family. But I invite you to just hold that gently again with love and compassion and kindness. So as you're sitting with those feelings, we are going to sink deeply into our explorations today by starting out with a little bit of breath work and affirmation or mantra saying. So as you're inhaling through the nose, you say, I accept. And as you exhale, all of my feelings and emotions. So inhaling through the nose, I accept. And then exhaling out through the mouth, all of my feelings and emotions. Inhaling. And exhaling. Inhaling, I accept. Exhaling all of my feelings and emotions. Inhaling. And exhaling. Inhaling, I accept. Exhaling all of my feelings and emotions. And one more time, inhaling, I accept. Exhale all of my feelings and emotions. And just taking a survey of how you're feeling in this present moment. So holding it all together really means stuffing down your emotions and bottling them up. And if you're someone that holds it all together, it usually means that you are in a leadership position. And that can be a leadership doing position in your family, many generations. It can be having an authority position at your work or even in your volunteer work, you might be one of the point people that does a lot of the organizing. And so it actually, we hold on to all these motions because it feels safer. And it feels safer because people will perceive us in the way we want them to perceive us. So this isn't always the healthiest way to move through life because this approach of keeping things close to our chest and being the point person and just saying, okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. It prevents us from discussing what we're actually needing. And it prevents us from really, truly having those deep 
connection with others because everything ends up being really safe and superficial um, on the outside, meaning that we can't really sink deep because we don't want people to see who we are. So over the long term, bottling up our emotions can backfire on us. And it really relates to the status of our mental and physical health and well-being. So why do we tend to bottle up our emotions? So there's so many scenarios um, in our life that we feel compelled to suppress those feelings inside of us. We may just want to get through the day. So we tell ourselves, okay, I'll deal with the emotion later. Um, we think that feeling isn't really worth exploring. And a lot of us try to conceal our feelings in order to make a relationship work. So not saying how you're feeling, but just keeping it to yourself and saying, it's all good. I don't care. It, I just need to not have conflict right now. And how many of us haven't felt that way before? So one of the big key reasons that we bottle up our emotions is that it just seems easier and safer to do so and safer and easier to do so because we don't have to feel those emotions. So one of our big key takeaways um, and sayings that we say here at Mongata Healing Center is that you need to feel it to heal it. And sometimes it just feels easier and safer not to be able to do that in the moment. Um, but it's ultimately the fear of being vulnerable. And so we protect ourselves with these emotional measures so that we feel safe inside, but it's actually a false sense of emotional security and safety. So we learned to do this between the ages of birth and seven years old. And this happens, most of the things that we're dealing with in our adult lives, we learned between the ages of zero and seven and or zero and 14. There's different takes on that. So if you were really emotional as a child, it's not uncommon for a parent to say, just calm down. Don't cry. You're overreacting. Just get it together. You know, just don't overexpress your emotions. And one of the reasons parents do that is because you're, the child is actually mirroring the parent's emotions. And this actually scares a parent to see the expressions of their own emotions on this very wide and deep scale. Think of the two-year-old or the three-year-old, four-year-old having the temper tantrum or not wanting to go someplace and crying and crying. We actually feel those same emotions as adults and children don't have the inhibitions that we have as adults and they express them. And it actually scares adults, those of us who are parents. Um, going, wow, that's exactly how I feel. And it, it's overwhelming. And so we then, as adults and parents, curtail the emotions and behavior of the child so that they fit in to society. One of um, this has happened in my own family. When my oldest daughter was like three years old or four years old, she literally could cry on command 
And my mother-in-law said at the time, you know, you're going to my daughter. She said, you're going to have a very difficult life if you do not get control of your emotions. So there she was at three years old, getting this very deep message from an elder in her family saying, get it together. You have to stifle and stuff those emotions. So children that are being stifled grow up to become adults who are stifled emotionally as, as well. And so they either don't express their emotions, they avoid their emotions, or um, they don't express emotions because they have this great fear of being told no. Um, no, you can't do that. And they don't want to be told no. And another big one of suppressing emotions as a child is abandonment. Here I'm feeling this very big emotion. You're telling me to stop feeling that way. So I stop the outward expression of that emotion, but inside I feel completely abandoned and unsupported. And then also like, remember the school days when um, if you got a bad grade on a test or you thought you did so good on your book report and then you got a D and you break out into tears and then your teacher's telling you to stop crying that there's always a next time your classmates are looking at you and you feel you're being judged negatively. I was one of the worst spellers in grade school. Like I probably should have won an award for the all time worst spelling. Um, and my teacher really, really judged me for this. And I kind of got labeled as the stupid buffoonic idiot. And this went with me all the way through school until I got to college. And they looked at me as an exceptionally smart person. So this judgment played out through all of grade school, middle school and high school. And it was based on my emotions and function around how to spell. I do, I spell well now, and I'm still so thankful for spell check, but this judging really impacted my developmental years growing up. Okay. So let's look at how and why hiding our feelings can often backfire. So the bottling up our emotions can feel like a good plan in the moment, right? Doing so adversely affects us. It puts strain on our mental health, chronic and perpetual dismissal of our own feelings ultimately impacts our self-confidence like mine was spelling. So if I spell bad, that means I also don't write well. And if I don't write well, I can't communicate. And as we go on through our school scholarly and education, scholarly years in education, then if I don't write well and I can't express myself, then this means that I have a stopping point and cannot progress further. And so there I was abandoned in my spelling woe and I felt like nobody cared about me, my needs, my desires, and the opinion and voice of those people really mattered to me. So as I continued to fail every spelling test, I also continued to feel like I did not have their support. On the adult level, that works on the adult level just as well. So then we feel extremely stressed in our life, whether that's not being able to create contentment in our partnerships and marriages. Um, it can lead us to depression 
and anxiety. And ultimately, as we go back and look and feel, we can feel very angry, even to the point of rage and developing resentment towards others. And this is when, when I see all of these motions coming up, I suggest breath work because it really moves these feelings through the nervous system. You don't have to talk about it and re-traumatize yourself by what happened. And it gives you space once it's moving through the nervous system that when you do, or if you choose to get into a talk therapy situation, that you are no longer triggered. So through breath work, I'm really aiming at getting that trigger to be released that it no longer exists for you so that when you go into talk therapy or if you go into talk therapy, the trigger isn't there and you can look at things deeper, explore, expand and release and heal. Another reason why hiding our feelings can really backfire in our life is that it absolutely compromises our physical health. So as we bottle up our emotions, it leads us to doing behaviors that are not good for the body, such as overeating, overfasting, drinking, drug usage, anything to help escape the pain of not feeling good enough, of bottling up our emotions, of having too much responsibility on us and feeling stress. This physical stress also manifests itself in the body. So if you are seeing people who are complaining about stomach pain, chronic stomach pain, and every medical test has proven there is nothing wrong with them, 10 to one, it has to do with bottled up emotions. And the longer that we bottle up emotions and we do toxic behaviors towards our body, we have more chances of getting diabetes, of heart disease risk, and even having problems remembering things in our memory. So children who have gone through a lot of stress, when they're adults, they'll tell you, I don't really remember a lot from my childhood. And that's a first red flag that they have experienced trauma in their life. It does not need to be big T trauma, such as car accidents, floods, hurricanes, plane crashes, war to be trauma in the body. Um, it can be everyday life trauma that your brain and nervous system are perceiving as life-threatening. So you go into a survival mode. And one of the first places that go offline is our frontal lobe in the brain. And so remembering things that happened to us in our childhood and in the past are stored in our nervous system, but are deeply repressed in our brains. So it also, when we stuff down and bottle up our emotions, our social relationships really, really suffer. And we are social animals. And if you remember during the lockdowns of COVID, it greatly affected all of us. So much so now in 2023, when this podcast is being recorded, we are seeing just off the chart records of people suffering from depression, anxiety attacks, um, negative thinking. And yes, this existed before COVID. It has magnified and it is off the charts. So 
As social animals, nourishing our social relationships is absolutely key and vital to our overall well-being. And so if we cannot express ourselves well or adequately enough, our relationships can't grow. And they literally stagnate at the place where we deem it's safe. And if you go past this line and you know too much about me, or I look weak, or I look tired, or whatever story it is that your inner self is telling you, um, there's that safety line and you can't go beyond that. So for relationships to grow, we'll, we'll catch this here in a little bit. You have to be vulnerable and just be who you are. Human to human contact helps our nervous system and it, it allows for a much wider, broader, and expansive pers perspective. Um, and it actually kind of stops those loops of fear and false beliefs. So when you are getting validated, when you are being heard and seen for who you authentically are, those loops of fear and what ifs and all those false beliefs that the mind tells us actually go down the scale of importance um, and can stop altogether. So we have to first and foremost be open and honest with ourselves. Uh, we have to be willing to be seen and known and to be loved and accepted for who we truly are. And when we are in this emotional bottling up, we can't get to this place, not for ourselves, and not with others. Let's look at some signs that you might be bottling up your emotions. Um, you could be bottling up your emotions if it seems like other people don't get you. You're just not understood, seen, like they just don't get you. You're not getting what you want out of time spent with others. If you go on a dinner date, a lunch, coffee with somebody out for drinks, and you just feel that was a waste of time, um, this might mean that you're bottling up your emotions. Um, we also feel it in our body and our bodies are communicating with us constantly. So what you're looking at as a physical symptom in my world, we call it a somatic symptom, meaning your body is talking to you. And so things like an upset stomach, constant digestive issues, such as heartburn, right? Headaches, a racing heart, tension in various places in your body are all ways your body is communicating with you that you need to feel and heal these emotions. If you experience growing anger and frustration, not just with the situation, but at the world at large, the world's a mess and here's why, and you run your list and it really makes you angry and you feel frustrated and, and you try to do things and you point your finger at um, opposing parties saying, if they just did this, this, and this, then the world would be a great place. This is actually a symptom that you have suppressed or bottled up emotions. And then if those feelings grow and expand even further, you will develop feelings of resentment towards others. 
And usually it's towards large groups of people, but that can also spread into one-on-one relationships in your life. Now, after that list, I bet you thought of a person to meet, to meet every single one of those items on the list. This is normal. So let me just talk a little bit about signs that someone might in your life might be bottling up their emotions. Um, and it can be detected, excuse me, in the choice of words they use, the tone they share those words with and their body language. So if somebody folds their arms in front of themselves, this is a sign that they're actually on defense. They're not open to new ideas and that there are some emotions that are being bottled up and held inside. Also, if you um, fold your body inward, this is also a sign and symptom that you are in a protective state and there are emotions there. The wringing of the hands, um, tapping their fingers or feet like on a desk, you know, tapping the pen, and, or tapping your feet, uh, darting their eyes back and forth or that glare and stare. And then there's always shaking the head, right? You know, just in frustration. So, you know, if you ask somebody something really simple, like, how are you? Or if it's a new situation, you're at a party, you're meeting people and you go, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. If you get a, oh, I don't know, there's nothing really interesting to tell, or if they change the subject, or if you're talking with somebody and they shut down a conversation completely, and then the big one is they completely leave the room. Oh, I've got to get this call. I've got to go to the restroom. Um, These aren't always, you know, bottling up or stuffing down emotions, but these are big signs that this could be happening, especially when you ask a very simple question and you get one of these profound reactions. This is somebody that is, um, afraid of being seen and heard of being vulnerable. So as we have looked at holding it all together and the energy that takes and the impact it has on our spiritual and physical and mental well-being. Um, the antidote and um, the transformation that we're looking for actually comes through the path of vulnerability. So how we heal in transition and the emotions of holding it all together is through vulnerability. So what is vulnerability? I could not talk about vulnerability without focusing on Brene Brown this week. She has an amazing book called Daring Greatly. And she describes vulnerability as um, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. It means you're letting it all hang out and there's risk in that. So I want you to sit back now and I am going to read you four quotes from Brene Brown and I want them to just wash over you. You don't need to think about them. You don't need to digest them, counter them. I want you to just let these words wash over you, see where they might be landing 
in your body. And if they evoke any feeling, emotional responses for you. So sit back. Here we go. The first quote, these are all from Daring Greatly, by the way, and I will put the link to that book in the show notes. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. And our next selection, just taking note of how that made you feel. We cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. I love that quote. So it's like a light switch. It's either on or off and we can't and we don't get to be selective as to which emotions are being turned off and on. Our next quote is vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And just seeing if that resonates with you. And our last quote from Brene Brown today is, owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. So what most of us fail to understand is that vulnerability is also the hub and cradle where our emotions and experience rest and exist that we ultimately crave so deeply. Who doesn't want more joy in their life? Who doesn't want to be seen as their authentic self? Who doesn't want deep love and companionship in this life? And so that which we're wanting hides when we're open to being vulnerable and it's totally impossible if we're masking it with bottled up emotions. So it really comes down to fear. And every time that we bottle up an emotion, we're basically reinforcing that little voice in our head that says, I'm not good enough. So this is what we do as people to avoid vulnerability. You know, being vulnerable and the fear of vulnerability is an insecurity that exists in all of us. And it's so strong that we often go out of our way to avoid situations that make us feel fragile. And um, we also connotate fragility and being fragile with being weak. So I don't know about you. I'm not going to be one to sign up and go, oh, let me feel weak and fragile. And even that word, you know, that word fragile. So as Brene Brown talks about, she says that we armor up and we do this each morning. We just have this big like armor on the outside of us so that 
we can buffer against feeling anxiety, uncertainty, fear, shame, not enoughness. And each one of us um, decides what our armor is, how thick it is, how thin it is. Um, and it, so it changes from person to person. But there are three things that Dr. Brown talks about in her book that usually revolves around being vulnerable. And those are striving for perfection, right? Numbing out. Um, and then, you know, disrupting our happy moments by dress rehearsing a tragedy, thinking of all the way our happiness can be thwarted. What's the B plan? What's the C plan? What's the D plan? What is the something that could go wrong? Let me think of every possible thing that could go wrong and have a way to circumnavigate those things that go wrong. So when we do that, we miss the present moment of being happy. And then we're right back on the yellow brick road of seeking out happiness, seeking out joy. And we miss the moment, the minute our mind goes to what if scenarios. So this type of armor can make us feel safe and in control in the moment, but it's doing more harm than good. So perfectionism is this huge, you know, shield that we've put up to protect us, but it actually keeps us been, from being seen because we're so busy trying to be perfect so that people aren't displeased with us, that we haven't made a mistake. And so this is a way, um, of not being vulnerable because it takes a lot of time and energy to be perfect. Another way is numbing our emotions. Um, when we numb our fear, we numb our joy. And a lot of people use substances to numb things out with. Um, so substances can be food or lack of food. It can be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be cigarettes. And you have to decide if you're numbing and if this is good or bad or temporary for you. Um, other ways to numb emotion is shopping, um, gossiping, just different behaviors. That means we don't have to deal with our own selves and our own, um, our own emotions. And then lastly, imagining the worst case scenario in moments of joy, uh, is really something that is so common. And because at the end of the day, we're trying to beat being vulnerable. So if somebody sees us crying at a funeral or enjoying a hug uh, with a child or someone, um, this can actually make us look vulnerable and we want people to see us as strong and courageous. Um, and also looking at the idea of negative impact. So there could be a time when there is no love, no belonging, no joy in your life. And that definitely these emotions come up when we're grieving the loss of someone or something in our life, we can feel so alone in those emotions and they feel like they will last forever. But just to remember that everything is always changing. So none of these emotions last forever. 
and the way there's no way around them. It's only through them. And when you get to the other side of feeling an emotion, you'll go, that was so much easier than I thought it was. And it becomes easier then to feel emotions the second time. So it's really important to begin to recognize those fragile moments of vulnerability and work along with them. So here at Mangata, we use mindfulness meditation, which is just a great place to start. Um, just focusing on your breath and breathing in and out. We have a lot of, um, meditation, um, meditations here on the Mangata podcast. And many of them are based in mindfulness, especially those using the breath. Uh, another way to get comfortable with vulnerability is practicing openness and awareness of your environment, as well as your own thoughts. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, have you been triggered? And being able to recognize that and say, oh, I'm being triggered right now. This then kind of disengages that stuffing down of the emotions and the fear mode because you're able to face them and feel them. So here are some things to keep in mind as you practice um, vulnerability in your own life. Recognize that facing vulnerability takes enormous courage. And again, like I always do in the whole premise of this series, the emotional fast series is to take small steps. Like, so vulnerability, ask somebody what they're thinking. Like, what do you think about that? Or what's on your mind right now? And that can be like the bravest moment when you have difficulties being vulnerable. I know we've talked about this in past weeks, but letting go of constantly worrying about what other people are thinking about you or what they think of you. Actually, most people are focused on their own internal struggles and not you. And what about feeling overwhelmed? Inviting you to focus your attention gently on your breath and all of the sensations in your body for just a few moments. And then return your attention back to what you were doing. This is a beautiful centering practice. It takes really sometimes literally a few seconds or a, a minute, most two minutes. And you go back to the task you were doing with a new focus and a new centeredness. And I want to invite you about not worrying about being perfect. In fact, like, let's just take it off the list. No one is perfect. We are all imperfectly perfect. And the more you hold yourself to an impossible idea, um, the easier it is to give up. So done is better than perfect. I say this like all the time and I say it out loud. So I myself hear it. Uh, so imperfectly perfect is the way to go. And before we get into the transformation section of our podcast today, um, we're going to stop for just a small break. And I want you to just feel what being vulnerable would look and feel like for you. We'll be back in just a minute. 
I have created this beautiful mindfulness meditation for beginners ebook. It's a simple guide and practice journal that will help keep you motivated and enhance your personal daily practice. Visit www.mongata.org to download your free guide today. Enjoy. Well, and we are back now. So I thought it would be really good into transforming into vulnerability is when we have bottled up our emotions, we have great difficulties expressing ourselves. So I thought today we would look at some scripted ways at how we can express our emotions because it doesn't always come naturally. And believe it or not, some things take practice and dedication to honoring ourselves. So this is a little practice session about expressing yourself and developing this skill set so you can process and express your feelings. So one of the best ways to become getting better at expressing yourself is just to say what you mean. Um, so here's some um, saying what you mean type phrases. I felt really loved when you cooked dinner the other night. Another um, simple phrase about expressing yourself is I'm hoping you can help me out on Saturday with the project. I want to make sure you understand where I'm coming from. I feel happy when we do things like this together. And then from there, you can slowly evolve or speed. It's not a speed thing. You can evolve and graduate to expressing in a more neutral or disappointed feelings that you might have. So believe it or not, when we bottle our emotions, even expressing happy feelings, happy feelings is very, very difficult. So if the world's expe expecting us to express um, a little more disappointed uh, feelings, that is like an insurmountable mountain. So from expressing happy emotions, let's express neutral or disappointed feelings. It sounds something like this. Sometimes I feel like you don't hear me. I'm really disappointed that you are not going to help me on Saturday. I felt sad when you forgot about XYZ. I'm frustrated that I need to bring this topic up again. And, you know, so these are two groups of phrases that you can use. In your journal, I invite you to write more and don't feel crazy about using scripts. Um, at one time before the birth of my third child, I was president of seven different board of directors. And, you know, these were, uh, everything from piano societies. I used to be a piano teacher to, you know, volunteer organizations within my community. These weren't big corporate things, but still seven is a lot. And I just did not have it in me to say no. So as the baby's due date was coming near and people were still wanting me to put them on my calendar, I literally wrote out scripts for saying no to people. And when the phone would ring and people would ask me to do things, I would literally pick up the script and read it. And as um, my voice was heard and as my reason for saying no was heard, um, I built this trust muscle with myself. 
And today I can say no easily and there's no emotional baggage that goes with it. Um, so feel free to write scripts to say to others for yourself um, until you can build that trust muscle and strengthen your own outer voice and inner voice. So today, before we close our podcast, we're going to do something new. I know you've all probably heard of affirmations or mantras, but that seems to be a mind activity is where I want to bring our affirmations today is that I want to say them three times. I have a list of affirmations and I'm going to put on some pretty music and I'm going to run through the list of affirmations. I want them, you to say them in your body. So as these affirmations are running, where are you feeling them in your body? And after the affirmation section, I will come back and close our sacred circle for today. So sitting back now, let's get ready to feel. I call these felt or feeling affirmations because that's when they make the most impact in our lives and the intentions we're wanting to put forward. I allow myself to feel this fully to be here. I let go of my resistance to this situation. I'm surrounded by support. I'm seen and unseen. I choose to heal my hurt spirit. I'm not going to hold back. I can hold on to the love and let go of the grief. The universe lifts me, supports me, guides me. I allow myself to feel this fully, to be here. I let go of my resistance to this situation. I'm surrounded by support, seen and unseen. I choose to heal my hurt spirit. I'm not going to hold back. I can hold on to the love and let go of the grief. The universe lifts me supports me, guides me. I allow myself to feel this fully to be here. I let go of my resistance to this situation. I'm surrounded by support, seen and unseen. I choose to heal my hurt spirit I'm not going to hold back. I can hold on to the love and let go of the grief. The universe lifts me, supports me, guides me. And releasing those feelings after you acknowledge them. 
and closing our circle today. And as we come to the end of our podcast today, I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please give us a rating, a comment, or feel free to share with your family and friends. And until next time, please go forth and be marvelous. I'll see you soon.